Pacquiao coming to you live from World Championship in San Jose. Welcome to the Living Legends Podcast. This episode of the Living Legends Podcast is brought to you by the Banished Zone in Wernersville, Pennsylvania. More than just a hobby store, but a hub for community building and fostering the love of gaming in all of its forms. Whether you're an avid card gamer, a strategic board game aficionado, or a lover of miniature gaming, they have something for everyone. And their carefully curated collection boasts a wide range of games, ensuring that you'll find the perfect fit for your gaming preferences. They only opened their store in June 2023, but already have been fostering a fantastic community. Make sure you visit their store, thebanishzone.com, and use the affiliate code LIVING10LEGENDS for 10% off one order per customer. Make sure you make the most out of it, and stay banished. (laughs) That American accent is killing me. Anyway... Let's get back to the pod. It's been a while since I've had a document for a podcast, um, mm-hmm. but again, it's just one of those one of those podcasts. Welcome everybody to Living Legends Podcast. Um, this is the As and Bill takeover today, <laughs> and I guess yeah, we uh, we we got Kel assassinated, uh, That's right. but just for this week, he'll be he'll be fine. <laughs> he'll be fine. Yeah, he'll come back. The spider always delivers, and all that. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, we're absent of Kel this weekend because, as you probably know, he is at the US Nats. He's doing the casting alongside Flake, Brian, uh, Pankaj, Ethnic Smoke, and Sam O'Byrne from Three Floating. So um, mm-hmm. I haven't managed to catch any of the footage yet, though, of you this weekend. No, no, no I haven't yet. I've been sort of running around uh, been busy, basically since Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why Kel's not here this weekend. So it's just going to be me and Bill, and uh, yeah, it should be uh, should be a fun one nonetheless. We've got a few topics to to cover, as well as uh, a few questions that we've actually received from the community mm-hmm. that love the Living Legends podcast and just our general vibe as a whole, uh, even without Kel. But uh, yeah, thanks for everybody who's who's joining us today. Um, but uh, but yeah, how was your how was your week this week in fab content games, just in general? Um, in general, this, this past week was just a very hectic week for me. Um, yeah, <laughs> work was, work was just a little bit more of a, of a slog than it normally is. But, uh, like I was kind of mentioning to you prior to, to us hitting record, uh, I was able to sort of have the week be over and went out to a nice steakhouse last night for dinner and then yeah. had a, a nice brunch with some friends this morning. So, um, mm. sort of trying to put that behind me. And, you know, <laughs> it's over now. I can focus yeah, on other the, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> we're. Uh, I'm. I'm actually also getting ready for. Um, we're recording a new gauntlet tomorrow. Um, oh yeah. It'll be me versus Elliot, mm-hmm. and then there will also be a second one of Elliot versus our friend Jay. So a uh, little bit of something for people to look forward to. Um, oh, okay, nice, but. Yeah, I won't. Uh, I won't spoil anything too much, too too far past that. But yeah, uh, it's going to be a really good time. We're going to have a full day, and we're going to uh, do what we normally do on filming days, which is go out and uh, 
get food <laughs> at some point. Oh yeah, so a whole day of just playing Flesh and Blood and then getting some food and all that sort of thing as well. Sounds like a good day to me. Yeah. So Maybe it's, one it's day be I'll really be in fun. the uh in the spike in the spike feeder studio doing exactly that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. If anybody uh well, I don't want to say absolutely anybody, but if you find your way over to to Winnipeg, we'll we'll figure out a way to to interact in some card yeah. game capacity but for for content creator friends uh it definitely extends to uh to having people on the on the channel so yeah uh when that does happen not if but when um you will definitely be be in for an irl uh azalea gauntlet probably yeah <laughs> that makes the most the azalea sense. ringer <laughs> the yeah. azalea ringer in real life let's go um but but yeah uh, also yeah. also even maybe a commander game as well yes yeah uh, I was, if, if jim's uh, up for it well <laughs> oh, i think he would be yeah he's Fantastic. he's always wanting to just have excuses to get content on the on the docket so yeah um but yeah, it would be really cool to be able to do that because we're very uniquely set up for uh, large in-person gaming events. Exactly. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, but we should definitely do that uh, at some point when that happens. Uh, and of course, now we're only discussing it now that Kel is gone. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're listening back to this, Kel, love you, buddy. Love you, buddy. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah. Anyway, so that was basically my weekend, sort of what I'm looking forward to. How about you? How was yours? What'd you get up to? Yeah, I got quite a few things going at the moment. So, um, so go, so go again. Gaming is going through some changes. One of those changes with regards to flesh and blood content really is a daily upload. Um, mm-hmm. Some, some, some of the videos are, are quite lazy, you know, because at the end of the day, it's hard to make every single day in your life interesting, right? <laughs> so, yeah, you know. In one of the videos, I, I compared, you know, your day to day life as walking through an industrial state. Um, because that's what mm-hmm. I was doing on one of the videos. I was walking through an industrial state, looking around me like, okay, this is not. There's not much going on today. You know, it's just an industrial state, and that's just what happens. But um, but I'm tying that in with with flesh and blood in a way where I'm eating only flesh and blood. So it's like a carnivore diet. And I spoke to you mm-hmm. about this and Kel before. Um, before I went to Birmingham, I did a little trial for it, and it's the best I've ever felt. Um, some people might not agree with it, but at the the end of the day, it's an elimination diet. So you're getting rid of all sugar and all carbs, um, Mm. which is, which is great for weight loss. Um, so it's just something that I'm experimenting with. And obviously it goes hand in hand with flesh and blood because flesh and blood is flesh and blood, you know? So we're eating and playing it (laughs) every single day until world worlds comes around. So it is a daily upload series. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we're really enjoying it and it's, giving me also accountability for what i'm doing as well because i have because i now have dedicated six days so far to doing this it means that if i slip up i'm gonna look like an idiot on the internet (laughs) so so it's like making it sort of outside of your uh not necessarily it's directly within your control um to keep going but then there's also sort of a farther reaching um exactly uh yeah, there's a farther reaching effect if you just decide to not do it. Yeah, repercussions. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> repercussions. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've been uh, been doing that, which is quite cool. So that's Go Again Gaming on YouTube. We'll do all the shout outs mm-hmm. later. Um, but um, 
but yeah, that's that's been good to just release videos every week and you know go exploring in the local area and trying to make a video out of nothing really. Um, so uh, so that's all good. I'm playing Talashar every day. You know, just honing Azalea. I am going to be playing uh, Azalea at an event, which is also at this point going to be common knowledge. So I guess I can say this. But I'm going to Switzerland mm-hmm. next week. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. So I'm going. I'm going to the Swiss Nationals basically. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a PTI event which uh, is uh, in tandem with that, which I'm going to be playing in on the Sunday. Um, That's awesome. And my good friend Pascal, who commented uh, commentated the German PTI event with me, is going to be commentating that event as well. And I might even be able to hop on for some coverage if I scrub if I scrub out on the PTI event. Um, so uh, so that's, that should be that should be good fun, and I'm actually doing a, a raffle as well. Uh, there might be there might still be time for people that are listening to this on Living Legends podcast on uh, Red Zone Rogue and audio platforms to potentially get involved with it. But there's a raffle on my Discord, which is um, which is quite cool. It's helping it's helping fund the trip basically because it was quite a last minute thing. Pascal was just like, "You should come to the PTI event hours." I was like, oh, "I don't know if I can." And then suddenly I was just like. I was researching the flights, and I was like, okay, this could be doable, because Switzerland, in comparison to the UK, is not too far to get there. It's only a two-hour flight. Um, it's somewhere I've always wanted to go. You know, there's a flesh-and-blood event going on there, so I just thought, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw that. Um, I, I don't know if it... I think it was an, uh, an at-everyone sort of thing, but yeah, it was yeah. part of your Discord. Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, you're... You're crowdfunding for something, but you're not mentioning exactly what. You were just like, it's for a trip, a flesh and blood related trip. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm not sure whether there will still be time to enter when this goes live. There probably might. There might be. You know, Discord's open for everyone to go in. So, uh, if you want to get some last minute entries in, it's going to be drawn in the next few weeks. So, probably will be. Let's say it probably yeah. is still still active. Um, but yeah, there's loads of things on there. There's a couple of play mats on there, like the content creator stuff that you know we've been given, both of us, uh, like the LSS dice. I don't need the LSS dice because I don't really use armor as a ranger, so I don't need the armor dice because mm-hmm. as soon as I block, it gets destroyed, right? So I don't need an armor yeah. dice that, tra- <laughs> that tracks <laughs> yeah, the... Yeah, everything, everything that Azalea has just explodes on impact. So. It really does. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I don't need the armor dice. The armor dice are in there. There's loads of other things as well. I mean... Uh, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the pictures are in the Discord. So if you're interested, go over, th- go over there. Uh, GoAgainGaming.com. Discord link is in there. Um, been uh, been had a bit of a break as well from uh, Baldur's Gate. I know we've been r- raving on about Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, I've had a bit of a break from it because I posted a little tweet as well. And, I, and I've, this, is the, this is the great thing about characters and just storylines in games, right? You know, you get attached to a character. As soon as you complete that character's story that could potentially be the end of the game for you because I was attached mm-hmm. to the Shadowheart character. I completed her entire story. And I know there's a couple of ways that you can go with it, so I can't wait to go back and explore the other way that you can go with it. Um, but um, I've, I pretty much thought, oh, yeah, I've completed the game now. But that's not the case mm-hmm. at all. Uh, I just completed that character's story, which I think is a testament to why games are great when you gravitate towards a character or a, or a hero. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of impressive, actually, just how much stuff you're they were able to put into the game that makes it feel like a fully fledged experience. Like I uh, for anybody who has played Baldur's Gate at some point uh, in Act One, you get access to a place called the Underdark, 
And in my first playthrough that I spent 70 hours, 80 hours on, um, I like dipped into it for a little bit and then like left and didn't go back. And then when I mentioned that to you and Kel, I think last week, you were just like, that's there's like a whole thing down there. There's like a whole (laughs) other area. It would be like playing Tears of the Kingdom without ever experiencing the, the depths. It's like, yeah, yeah. So there's that. There's um, I'm, I'm starting up another character again. Um, that's a uh, I'm going for like a sniper character, like a, a ranger oh, rogue yeah. sort of deal. And uh, yeah, like I'm using all different um, all different companions uh, just to get their storylines as well. Mm-hmm. And like um, Shadowheart in for spoilery reasons she's kind of important in at least the times that i've played her yeah she has like a really key role so i'm like what happens if you just don't ever interact with her what happens yeah so i'm seeing that out too but like there's just there's so much in the game and like you were saying like you finish one of the character storylines and you're like well like i was invested in that and that's really cool you're interested in going back and seeing how the other storylines pan out too but it's like that still felt like a full game yeah exactly um yeah and yeah i just think that that's like it's such a good it, it's such a testament to how well the game is made <laughs> oh god yeah yeah the amount of stories that i can you can potentially explore in that is just is just crazy but again it's just also wrapping this back round to flesh and blood is is the fact that you get engaged to characters and it's the same sort of thing mm-hmm. you're just all in on the character and you want to see everything that that character goes through whether it's a new version or whatever uh, and i'm sure we probably will see that but that's a, that's another discussion for another day you know potentially mm-hmm. um but um but yeah, so uh, another thing that I wanted to put out into the Aether, and I did this week, um, is uh, Three of a Kind and Azalea on the website was uh, was quite interesting. Mm. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I, um, so I, yeah, I found I, I only figured this out the other day. I was looking through the hero pages, and obviously I came through to Azalea, and all of the sort of blurbs for the cards have been changed. I'm not sure whether this has ever been there, bef- ever been there before, or I might have missed it before. Um, it's because it's quite outdated. Because it's so it says on the website, three of a kind. You got three of a kind as an Azalea card. First of all, on Azalea's page at the bottom, three of a kind is in there, and it's just like okay, um, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, use of uh... <laughs> interesting use of three of a kind in Azalea. I've never seen it being played. The Azalea cult was never reported. Levi, the best player in the world, doesn't use it, but it's on the website apparently. So is there something mm-hmm. that we don't know? The devs, is there something out there that devs are like, okay, three of a kind is really, really good. Um, but on the website, it, I'll read it out to people that haven't seen the tweet or whatever. It says three of a kind. This is on the Azalea Hero page. One arrow, uh, one arrow apiece for three scumbags in kind. Play three of a kind from your hand when you have a card with reload in your arsenal. So that's niche as it is. You need like a take aim in your arsenal so you don't have yeah, to or use Or like your, a rapid fire. Or, or a rapid, rapid fire, yeah. Um, <laughs> Then you'll be able to play one card drawn through the reload, one card through Death Dealer's effect, and one ca- and, and the third with Bullseye Bracers, which doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, you so can that, do that. So that's updated. Well, you, Kel did make an argument on Twitter for the fact that you can do this in UPF or Blitz or whatever, but I just don't think yeah. it's really... Uh, I don't think you should have Bullseye in there if it's banned in any format. Um <laughs> And then, uh, alternatively, you can bypass playing cards altogether and simply end the turn with more cards in your hand than your hero's intellect for a monster play the following turn. Um, so yeah. that bit. So for that one, <laughs> that one's interesting because realistically, you're you're thinking about 
you have four let's say you have four cards in your hand you pitch one of them to play three of a kind that mm -hmm. brings you down to two cards and then up to five and then yeah. you just pass the turn yeah. <laughs> or you like arsenal um or if you had a card in your arsenal then you get to keep five cards in your hand or whatever yeah um or if you use tunic then the math kind of goes up to six because you don't have to pitch mm. that doesn't that doesn't feel like a good play <laughs> no <laughs> like, uh <laughs> I, I don't. Mean, I don't know. <laughs> to be to, to to be fair, right? Okay. So let's say let let's go uh, optimal Christmas magical Christmas land, right? So you've got a three of a kind in your uh, in your arsenal, right? From mm -hmm. the previous turn, you have a tunic trigger available. You play the three of a kind from your arsenal. You then draw three cards, so you have a seven. No, you have a yeah. You have a seven card hand then. Um, so then you can and go then... into your next turn with a seven card hand if you do nothing. Um, and this this sort of thing was done by uh, a Polish player who we actually interviewed on the Azalea Cult. I think it was episode five. Oh, cool. It was very very early, and he was running a basically a, a death uh, a death dealer um, Azalea combo deck, which basically mm. you had perch grapplers, which gives all of your arrows go again on board the boots. And he was uh, throughout the course of the game, he was basically playing energy potions down. He was then building up all of these board states for then the end of the game, playing like double three of a kinds, one in hand, one in arsenal, passing mm. the turn, like this article says, and then just cracking back with like perch grapplers, rain razors, all of this stuff on his oh, follow-up turn, to just OTK. Um, so for people that are, for people that are interested in that, um, there is a video on Go Again Gaming. Um, maybe Kel can put a card in the top corner or something because it is an interesting video. It is an interesting strategy. I'm not sure whether it works now, but at least that part of the statement does or can be can be done to a certain degree. But yeah, that's... yeah. I had never, I had never even thought of that line of play. But yeah, um, yeah. If you're able to, if you're able to crack off like two of them in the same in the same turn, and then sort of go back to your turn with what would that be? like 10 cards in your hand yeah i yeah. feel like that that is a much better proposition than even like seven or like six in an arsenal or whatever um yeah because then what and... they were doing what they were doing is they had energy potions on board as well right mm -hmm. like from over the course of the game they had like two or three energy potions and they also played cards like try shot which allows you to activate death dealer multiple times um, so then when they got to the second cycle of the deck, they'd set up all of these cards to then see them, and then they just went off. And that mm -hmm. was the way that you could get over. That was the plan, at least, for uh, Pavel's plan to get over Oldim, because Oldim was just blocking everything. Um, so that was yeah, his plan. you just like present them with too much in one turn for them to realistically block. Yeah. <laughs> so... So yeah, I mean, maybe maybe there's a maybe there's a world in the future where you can sort of set up those sorts of things. But the first part of that text with the bullseye braces and the fact that you can do all of this, I think that's very difficult to do because you also need a load of resources mm. and you need all of your arrows to have inherently go again, which won't happen unless yeah. you have some setup. But yeah, was, like you would be playing something like um, Falcon Wing or something, and it's mm. like putting like putting that into this equation of like you get to play a card that you reload in and it's like if it's a falcon wing cool you're attacking for three with go again awesome yeah brilliant. um or like a sickum shot which costs a resource yeah <laughs> it's like uh i don't know um yeah yeah so... and then again like you mentioned bullseye bracers is uh basically basically no more 
Yeah, exactly. So uh, I just I just wanted to get that statement out into the open for more people to to sort of hear and maybe comment on. So let us know in the comments below if you've ever pulled off one of those turns with three of a kind. Mm-hmm. Because if you haven't, that's the argument that I'm making here for why it's on the website in the first place. But hey ho. Um, <laughs> Um, so, uh, so yeah, just going on to a bit of, uh, articles from LSS and flesh and blood this week as well. Um, so first of all, they, um, the, speaking about the developers, they did actually have like a flesh and blood Twitter spaces aired the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was Brian, uh, Carol, uh, from session blood, session blood, uh, who else was on there? I can't remember. Uh, a couple of other devs were on there. Uh, but, um, but yeah, they were saying about the meta being diverse at the moment. Do you think it is? Because all I'm seeing is bloody Lexi. I'm not sure about the Nats. I haven't checked out the Nats yet, but I think there was a graphic somewhere. Well, something that I am seeing, um, at least my locals talk about, because there are a few that are currently at, um, they're in oh, yeah. Vegas for uh, the, for Nats. And um, so apparently people are playing, uh, to counter Lexi, people are playing Fatigue Briar. Oh, I've seen that. Earth Briar. Yeah. Yeah. I, I This is the first of that, that I'd heard of it. Um, but like... I don't know. I think that right now, and we have the the meta meta game breakdown from Nats as well. Uh, oh, it is a large percentage Lexi. It's um, currently in the field. There are, uh, from what I can see, five decks, five heroes: mm. uh, Lexi, Icelander, Dromaya, Bravo, and Briar. Okay. Uh, and Lexi has uh, the lion's share, twenty two point four percent of the of the field with uh, the runner-up being Icelander at 12.2%, so nearly double the next highest. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then Briar is currently the lowest at 9.1. Um, so, you, so do you think, do you think the, Briar, the Briar people then are, are playing this Earth Fatigue list that, that you mentioned then? Or is it just... It's possible. <laughs> um, I don't how, know. How, how, I, do, you know I, do you know how, that's, how that even works? Obviously, you can use Crown of Seeds, can't she? I guess. Yeah, you would be. I think. I think you'd be allowed. Or it's just an earth earth helmet, isn't it? It is an earth helmet, but I believe it was banned at one point or suspended, maybe because of Olden. Oh. Um, hang on. Could have been. I'll keep. I'll, I'll. I'll look up the the actual ban and restricted because um you know it just needs to happen that way. Yeah. But yeah. um. But yeah, I'm I'm not personally sure exactly how it works. Um. But apparently. Uh, mm. According to a uh, local player of uh, in my my meta Grant, mm. who is also a, a very talented judge, says, and this I believe is unironically saying, I love that that deck is in contention to actually push uh, Briar over the Living Legend line. Yeah, <laughs> um, like it is possible that Fatigue Briar can actually take it home because it's positioned well into the into the current meta. Oh. Um, which I think is really interesting. And I know that a note that you have uh, here um, is, uh, is this meta rewarding specialists? Yeah. I think that that kind of speaks to that. Um, like mm-hmm. potentially people who are more comfortable with certain matchups or with a deck that might not be the flavor of the month deck. Like we're saying, Lexi is currently the flavor of the month deck. Yeah. Um, you know, it Briar has the lowest percentage of the metagame breakdown of Nats right now, but it's possible that it could actually take it home. It could actually win. 
um, mm. just based on what we're seeing right now. And uh, I know another friend of mine, uh, Patty Patrick, um, is has been a big Briar fan for a long time. I think his nickname in our Discord is still "Can't Stop Playing Briar Help." Oh, brilliant! Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he was even sort of like torn about whether or not he would even want to play Briar in this current meta. So it's mm. um, yeah, it's it's a, a lot about like just the confidence that people have in their ability to pilot these specific decks. Um, yeah, and that's what um... very very cool. Yeah, exactly. And that's what Brian uh, was saying on this on this fab developer Twitter spaces as he was saying that this sort of meta, you know, it is fairly wide open. You know, it's not the it's not the tri the triome of old. It's not like the the Prism Starvo was it Chain the other one mm-hmm. that was the the yeah. triangle of heroes that are being played. This is more like a what do you call it? A bloody fivesome. Uh, Pentaverit, I believe. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, well done for that. <laughs> Pure maths knowledge, Pentaverit of heroes. Let's go. Let's go. Um, so yeah, uh, so yeah, there's five heroes now that are represented. So it's like um, you know, it's going to reward these people that are using still dark horse decks as long as they know those decks in and out. You know, you can get rewarded for doing so. I think. Um, obviously following Azalea results and everything. So Levi Rausch, obviously the best player in the world for Azalea, no no doubt about it. He was 4-0 on his CC results at Mats, um, mm-hmm. but but then he dropped to play the calling instead because he was he was uncomfortable with draft, which is fair enough. I, I'm not very good at sealed. You also agree with that. You're not very good at sealed. You maybe don't enjoy it as much. Um and that that yeah, I, I don't I don't blame him really because he's he's an absolute specialist. Four nil in CC on uh, mm-hmm. on on, it, on his favourite hero, decided that he wants to play the calling instead because it is just CC. There's no random element. There's no uh, piece of it that's out of your control. Um, I don't know whether I really agree with sealed and booster draft and stuff being in being in these high level events because yes, I guess the draft is quite skill intensive because you're picking the right cards and reading the table and all this and reading signals and all that. Um, but it's still not your cards. It's not your deck, is it? It's, it's just the stuff that you're presented with. Mm-hmm. Um, so It's, um, yeah, I don't know. It, for me personally, I mean, I um, definitely have a uh, an unpopular opinion, I think, when it comes to, like, limited formats. Yeah. Um, I just I'm not very good at them personally, so yeah, I don't same. like them. And it's it yeah, it's not because I think that they're like not a correct format. Um, I'm just like it's just not the way that I prefer to play the game. But I do from my experience with it, I, I feel like it's I just can't really wrap my brain around how people can do things consistently with such a random card pool. Yeah, I mean, same. then like it it does sort of speak to the people that are able to consistently pull things off with a good with even just like an okay card pool because then you know you're um making the decisions on the fly you're building the deck to basically your outs even if you don't have the best possible um scenarios you can still get blown out by the people who pull like good majestics and stuff Mm -hmm. um like uh i know there was somebody when they were testing four nats they were doing a um, uh, monarch draft. This is again locally, and uh, they like windmill slammed a luminaris. And oh, it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, a prism that has luminaris versus a prism that does not have luminaris. That's like a completely different deck. <laughs> so yeah, and that's um, and that's what the draft format is. It's monarch at the moment. Yeah, so that can so, happen as well. So yeah, it just feels like there's 
there's a lot of variance. And again, for the people that do like sealed and are really good at it, props to you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I'm with you in that. I, I don't know how I feel about it, but it's probably just because I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather. I, yeah, I'd rather. I'd rather, you know, blame my loss on the fact that I'm rubbish at deck building on my own mm-hmm. CC side rather than or yeah, I'd rather I'd rather do that rather than rather than sealed, but yeah, all limited. Then like instead of losing because your table actually read the signs properly and choked you out of the hero that you were trying to play. And it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> and then you like couldn't pivot to another hero because there just like wasn't anything there. Because yeah, yeah there's it's out. very reasonable that you could just like have a couple packs at the table um simultaneously that it's like, oh there just aren't any chain cards. And it's like, okay, well, we're going to pick up all the prism cards. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, but yeah, I think it is re- rewarding specialists and fair play to all the people that uh, that are out there mm-hmm. just repping their favorite heroes. And that goes on to to what we were saying earlier about uh, the Baldur's Gate thing. You know, you you want to you want to play your hero and your hero only, and that's how you like to experience the game or experience the world that you're in. So. Mm-hmm. The hero conversation comes back all the time because it's just that strong in this game. Um, but yeah, so another another cool thing as well is a little milestone event for uh, for Flesh and Blood, uh, and that is four thousand gem stores uh, mm-hmm. across the across the uh, across the world now. So I've flashed up an image now on the Living Legends podcast. If you're watching the video version of this image of four thousand gem stores. Um, which seem to have basically penetrated every area that consumes card games by the look of that image, mm-hmm. unless you can think of anywhere else. But I think that's pretty much hit all the massive it's... markets, at least. Yeah, it's hit a lot of them, at least that I'm aware of. I know that Brazil has a, a big card game population. Um, yep. And I mostly know that from, uh, we got a lot of comments on uh, Spike Feeder's videos of like, yeah like we at our lgs we just like this was like years ago at this point so i don't know if it still happens but we used to get comments of like yeah i'm in brazil and we just like put your content on the tv at our lgs and we watch it oh um, because there just like wasn't uh accessible content for for people uh at that time so um so yeah i know that brazil is is big for that um i was kind of interested like that iceland apparently has two stores um really which yeah which i think is really really funny um it's the ones that are like just off the coast from um from europe in sort of like the top middle ish of that map oh yeah um apparently yeah there are two there are two gem stores in iceland none in greenland um none at all no but uh yeah and then yeah we have uh like japan we have uh i believe uh like sort of southeast asia southeast asia as well. yeah Indonesia um, and yeah, Singapore, shout out to, there's loads of gem stores there. Yeah, yeah, Singapore has uh, a pretty big contingent as well. So uh, yeah, shout out to anybody from these sort of, um, obviously mm-hmm. the, the two greatest, um, <laughs> the two greatest, he will continue in a moment. Sorry, Riley's just leaving on a camping trip. <laughs> nice. Um, so shout out to the two greatest. Yes, uh, the two the two greatest sort of communities, not from 
like greatness just from size alone. Uh, obviously, yeah. we have North America and we have Europe um, or the UK in, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, they just have the most number of, of blips on the map. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, just because you don't have quite as many as some other people or as some other areas might doesn't make your um, your uh, LGS, your uh, space any less important than everybody else's because really it's it's all of those that are really surprising to me and really uh like heartwarming to see oh, gotcha. that you know and i think there's even a comment that you had pulled um from somebody in mexico where as you can see on the map there aren't any gem stores in mexico but there are still like spots on this map while while they might not be represented by any individual blips like they're still engaging with the game they're still excited to play it so i think that that's really cool too like yeah that it's uh, it's just all over the place <laughs> it really is yeah and obviously you can still see a uh, video or uh, video listeners can also still see the map up at the moment uh, there was also another there was also another twitter um post that actually went round quite a lot saying oh we're playing we're playing loads of flesh and blood in chile and chile on that map there as as well mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't have any pins did you see that post we're playing Flash and Blood. I think I did, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Think you might have even so been, I think you um, might have even been tagged in it because they were tagging all sorts of people to try and spread awareness mm-hmm. and fair play because there was the store was rammed. I'm not sure whether it is a gem store or not, but you know it could be with that amount of players that were there. So um, just one more thing on this image as well, which I find, find absolutely hilarious, is the fact that there is a pin in the middle of the Australian outback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, "What the hell is that? A pin in the middle <laughs> yeah, of the Australian outback, smack uh. dab in the middle of Australia, <laughs> which, as everybody knows, is completely inhabitable." Oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> um, I think it's the same with America, though, right? They they uh, they sort of build up settlements in the middle of a desert and still manage mm-hmm. to to maintain. It. Like Phoenix, Arizona, is built on a desert. Um, and that yeah. still has well, and, more. Yeah, Nevada as well. Like it's exactly. just, yeah, yeah. God knows how they do it, but must be those grid systems. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's a few things. So our week in Flesh and Blood, and you know the week in LSS's office as such. And uh, the main the main topic for today um, will be uh, why is the Fab community so strong. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like, you know, there's positive experiences all around. I haven't really had any negative ones. And the people that are involved, ourselves included here on the Living Legends podcast, and all of our listeners, I'm assuming, are fantastic as well. Uh, but why is that fab community so strong? Um, so any first thoughts on it? I know we've got a, quite a few bullet points here that I've, that I've raised, but what are your thoughts uh, essentially to begin with? Yeah. Um, so this is actually kind of interesting as a as a discussion point. Um, I did end up uh, having sort of a, a a brief conversation about this sort of thing um, with the folks over at the IP2 podcast when they had me on. Shout out to them as well. Oh yeah. Um, they're they're lovely. They're based in um, still in the prairies of Canada in uh, Calgary, I believe. It was either uh-huh. Calgary or Edmonton. I'm pretty sure it was Calgary. Um, apologies if I get that wrong, it's just <laughs> shooting off the dome. Um, but yeah, the, the main sort of um, point that I think really stuck with me and just makes sense to me is um, kind of a mixture of a couple of things. And you have a couple of really good points here as well. Uh, yeah. I do want to talk about all of them, but the ones that sort of uh, came up were um, 
the type of gameplay that the the game has in general mm-hmm. um as well as the fact that the game itself is relatively new so um local scenes are less um less fleshed out as it were there aren't quite as many people like i was even surprised recently i went to a local game store on i think it was a sunday and i wasn't aware that they had like any big events on sundays usually it was just for small stuff Uh, i think it was a pokemon event and it was completely sold out every single table was full um wow and uh it was like yeah like we couldn't do that for for flesh and blood at any of our stores really um we never hit cap on anything no um so with that being said we have fewer people which means that people kind of can't go unnoticed as it were in a lot of these bigger um these bigger scenes um like specifically my experiences with uh other card games uh, i will say specifically magic the gathering Mm -hmm. there are usually so many people at these events that if one person is being a little bit weird they kind of get washed out in like the rest of the crowd um but for flesh and blood events like there's you know 10 12 people at most and in between rounds people will be yeah they can't hide um so if people are being weird they usually like see that other people are not being weird and kind of shape up and like yeah you know don't um be as as abrasive as card game players kind of tend to be sometimes um but also then you know they see that the environment specifically speaking from a local um aspect the environment that we have very locally is it just extremely friendly like it's just people wanting to talk about the game in like the the same sort of aspects that they are it's a very like mature back and forth about things that are going on and like their opinions about decks and stuff like that yeah so um yeah it's i, I do think that it's sort of the type of the game and what it sort of lends itself to in terms of conversations and just kind of how small uh, at least our local scene is uh, it seems to be a pretty big factor yeah and i think uh, the people that are entering this game as well they're they're of a certain ilk and i think it sort of um sort of contributes to some of these factors that i've written down today which 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 marries up nicely with everything that you just said so first of all the maturity of the content obviously this is a darker fantasy game it's very gory as well uh and i think oh, yeah. i think it says somewhere on something that it's for an age and above i think it do- i think i think, I think it it's does 16 plus yeah 16 plus yeah I exactly so um so uh, so yeah the maturity of the combat it's darker fantasy and it's 1v1 combat pitched combat what you versus someone else um and also uh the strategy and the gameplay because it's so because it's so intense i think it attracts people that are intelligent so people that are yeah. intelligent are normally not dickheads essentially um <laughs> <laughs> that is the exact the exact uh the exact note that i wrote wrote down on here today um i can corroborate that <laughs> yeah exactly um so people that play this game are fairly intelligent um that's my experience at least leave a comment if you know you've had different experiences let us know we can read them out next time or address them next time um but um yeah from my experience the the uh the the people that are involved with this game are just fairly intelligent and therefore just not really in it to be annoying or weird or what have you and the community as well i feel at the moment even on even on spaces like twitter you know, are are you know these voices that we have and these people that we have in the game are ones to call out the shit if it happens. You know, yeah. you can't you can't hide from it, and people are there to support each other, and it's all because of the fact 
that all these things are stacking up, like the strategy of the gameplay, and you know, brings all these people in, and the maturity of the game, and all this, um, and LSS's involvement with with uh, with game stores, supporting local businesses, you know, supporting the creators as well with unique kits and cards that nobody else can get, and therefore, you know, that gives us more sort of drive to make content and carry on doing that, which is free marketing for them and all this. So you know, there's so mm-hmm. many so many points on all sides um which is good yeah and i i definitely think so too like there there definitely will be um people that have less optimal experiences uh yeah. and of course that happens in in any hobby really so if if you do if you have had uh, a less than desirable experience with it um i just want you to know that we're not trying to like wash that away we're, we're trying to like yeah at least personally like all of the experiences that i've had um playing flesh and blood have been at the very bare minimum like fine yeah. um like i haven't had any that have made people feel unsafe i know that there are um I haven't had a chance to go out to a local event recently, but I do know that there are starting to um, just there's starting to be more female uh, representation as well, nice. um, like female presenting representation, which I think is really good because I know that Magic the Gathering is pretty bad for that sometimes, mm-hmm. um, kind of pushing uh, non-male presenting people away um, yeah, and sort of making them feel unsafe. So I, I was really happy to see that as well. Um, and, yeah, and again, uh, it's just yeah. people that it's just people that think in a different way. I think with regards to flesh and blood, mm-hmm. they see they see they see positive rather than negative. They just want to involve everyone. They want everybody to learn the game as well. They want they want people to be good at it. So that whole competitive scene, which is all it's rooted in, grows because they want people to learn the strategies and everything. You know, it's just it's great. And also with regards yeah. to learning and all that sort of thing i had a nice experience the other day i was playing talishar just as part of my eating and drinking not drinking well, i could drink blood but eating and eating and playing flesh and blood every single <laughs> eating day eating flesh and drinking blood <laughs> eating flesh and drinking blood uh, i'm a starian all over again <laughs> Casador. uh anyway um, well that's a spoiler <laughs> that is a spoiler whoops uh, oh, whatever it's fine nobody knows um what was I doing? What was I getting at? Yeah, so I was playing Talishar the other day, and I came across uh, Dagon White on the uh, on uh, on Talishar, and he's uh, a very very respectable competitive player, um, and uh, he absolutely whipped my ass with a Bravo fatigue fatigue deck. Um, but after that, we had a little chat, and he was he was appreciative of the content. He said he he really really liked my chaotic energy, and uh, the game does need people like of this of this ilk to be involved with it. On uh, you know, on a public speaking content level, um, yeah. so you know, it, it, I spoke to Pablo as well. I spoke to Pablo Pintor at the calling in Birmingham, and again, he was just so humble in the fact that he he's just in it to play to play the game and have fun. That was ultimately his ethos: is to have fun with the game. He just happens to be very good at it, but he does respect the people that are just playing it for fun. Um, and yeah. it's great, and it's great that the competitives the people that do take it seriously and fair play to you because you take home prizes and all that sort of stuff still recognize the little guys that are just enjoying it. So Yeah, that's that's another big thing as well. The only thing that I've come across that has been even remotely close to that, and I think it's more of just like a fun, like, you know, jab back and forth between uh, different groups is... Um, people who prefer cc versus people who prefer blitz oh yeah um i i think that there's like 
I've never seen it be anything more than just like a friendly sort of like I say, like chiding, like, oh, well, whatever. I guess like I drew um, a bad hand and I guess I lose. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> or like, oh, I could take a nap before my uh, old him player decides what he wants to do on his 17th <laughs> turn. Um, but yeah, outside of that, like there's a lot there's even in other card games between different formats, there's like so much elitism and so much like real actual snark that goes into people even having discussions about the fact that other formats exist so yeah um personally yeah i haven't seen anything like that and i hope that it's like that in sort of the um the rest of the the format the you know player base at large mm -hmm. because really like if you don't want to play blitz then just don't play blitz like just play cc there's tons of other options yeah um and if you do want to play blitz then play blitz there's things like skirmishes there's things like uh battle hardens like you can still do competitive stuff while playing blitz you can still do casual stuff while playing blitz and same thing with cc so i think that the fact that everything is is sort of very well supported by lss as well and um giving them all their their own opportunities to shine um i think is is really important as well it makes it feel like even if people might think that blitz is not like a um, as good of a format as cc there are still major events for blitz so yeah the company exactly. says it's important so there you go <laughs> yeah exactly um speaking of the company as well yeah i mentioned this in the in in the statement i made just a moment ago but it's their their whole ethos and their whole sort of um the reason why they do this their name as well the name of flesh and blood is ingrained in local game stores and that's what they want to do mm -hmm. they want to support local game stores which are safe places for a lot of people to go um as well so you know that just builds community and makes it stronger as well because there's the amount of support that they give the actual in real life place for people to go um so uh yeah just the company in general is just fantastic and the people that they've attracted are nice people obviously mm -hmm. um so uh so yeah i think it's just a just a, an overall positive experience to be involved with it and there there is there is going to be stories of negative experiences there's there's this the same with everything really but um leave a comment in the section below and hopefully we can address it next time on the living legends podcast and maybe go into it a little bit more um mm -hmm. yeah we like to hear yeah, i'm interested like to hear. in hearing the good and the bad yeah, exactly. If you have really good experiences, let us know. And if you have bad experiences, then we will commiserate with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, but yeah, so uh, that was a uh, I think I think uh, a message that we needed to get across um, because I think it was uh, I think it was uh, very strong. But we've got a load of mailbags as well today. Um, so a lot yeah. of people want to ask As and Bill questions today uh, <laughs> on this on this episode. Uh, so I've collected quite a few. Um, so uh, we'll go straight into these now then. So Seba Koraji from Discord um, says, what do you think good reprints would be in the new slot of Bright Lights? Do they need to be generics or could they be talented uh, cards or types, type of cards? I, I They've been pretty um, light on information about it so far. Uh, bright light about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think they're they're kind of going to be using it. If I was to put money on what I think they're going to do with it, I think they're they're literally just going to look at cards that would be good reprints and just kind of slot them in, especially with um, we were kind of mentioning last week that it's like one in 15 packs. So it's like 
less than two a box that you would normally get of these reprints. Um, yeah. I think it makes sense, especially if there's a wide amount of them, like say if there's 30 reprints or something. Um, getting any one of those that uh, potentially has a tunic in it is like a pretty low chance. But if they keep having good cards in there, like even if they put Art of War, um, if they put Command and Conquer in there again, if they put um, even other equipment that is just like unbelievably expensive, like New Horizon, um, like that card's like 250 bucks or something Canadian still. Like yeah. it's, uh, it, and it is like a really good card, but it also does sort of gate people from being able to play Lexi um, to a high level, which if obviously she is a high level hero right now. So um, mm. I think they could also be typed in talented cards. The The only issue with that, though, is that I don't think there are many typed talented cards that or I guess for for type, you know, I think we could realistically have like hero specific things. I think the only uh, consideration there is that the generic cards tend to be the more expensive ones, at least outside of equipment. Um, like there are obviously expensive generic equipments the main one being spring tunic but yeah um but yeah like i said for um just kind of the even the big three like you could put a an enlightened strike reprint in there again and i don't think people would complain about that no um like it's just a good card art of war is expensive also a good card cnc good card um i i would love to for them to just like look at sort of the most expensive or most even meta impactful cards and have those be the ones that they decide to reprint. I know that they also said for the new slot that it's not all going to be reprints. There's also there might be new cards in there, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think for the reprints, I would love to see if they just hit the big like five, six cards that are still expensive and maybe add a couple more that have since been added that are also expensive. But um, yeah. What about you? What, how, yeah. what, do you? what do you think about this new slot? I think I think it's I think it's good. I think we've we've discussed it on the on the last couple of episodes for sure. Um, as a way, I think they could uh, they could really introduce cards that help with the meta at hand. If there's like a if there's a boogie man or boogie woman or whatever that's doing uh, horrible things to the meta and warping it, you can print these things in your next set to maybe hose that hero or do whatever. Like Warmongers did yeah. for Azalea, they saw Azalea was going to be really good, and they was just like, let's just take away the the ability to play and put warmongers in the set <laughs> yeah let's just soft ban azalea and then we'll move from there <laughs> we'll move from there because let's be honest um but um but yeah so uh, actually i ha i did have let me just bring this up uh actually no i can't actually no i can bring it up on my phone i don't want to mess up the discord overlays i did have a question that i didn't put in the document which actually relates to that um okay. so let me just try and bring it up but i think it was basically I should be able to find it. Uh, okay, yeah, here it is. So, in regards to reprints, what impact do you think the new set will have on how secure collectors feel with their current investments into staple cards that might be uh, added at will into the expansion slot? So that's so that's something that, uh, that that I thought we'd bring up now as one of the other questions, but because we were speaking about the reprints, so because mm -hmm. you own quite you own quite a lot of cards, I don't own too many cards of that of that stature. Um, mm -hmm. I own Ranger cards, and that's pretty much it at the moment, to be fair. Um, but as someone who owns quite a lot of cards of high value, what do you think about the fact that they could be reprinted and all this? Personally. I think that if you are treating 
any card game as an investment, I think personally, I think that's the incorrect way to <laughs> to interact <laughs> with it. Um, I think that if you're looking for an investment opportunity or a portfolio or something like that, there are better options available uh, than card games. Mm -hmm. um, investors and speculators do tend to uh, just make the games that they interact with less accessible for the average person by driving up prices and lowering availability. Um, I could go on about that, but that's sort of without being too antagonistic about it. Yeah. I personally don't feel that that's something that LSS should should protect like going over and above to do so. Like, obviously, there's something to be said about how Yu-Gi-Oh does their reprint strategy, which I think is of all of them currently the worst possible way to do it, because um, there will be they'll they'll print the most powerful over the top card that you've ever seen. It'll be in the most like it'll be like a short printed secret rare or something like even lower oh, really? than a regular secret rare in terms of rarity or even higher, I suppose. Um, and then they'll reprint it to death over the next like two or three months after people already put all the money in and then it's worth nothing again. Like, I think that that really, really sucks. But the difference between like Command and Conquer being a $100 card versus being a $50 card that's a 50% loss for the investor, but it's also that much more accessible for the average player. I still think that $50 is really high for a piece like Command & Conquer. I think that the yeah. $50 plus slot equipment being in there, I think is fine. And that's, you know, maybe a hot topic, but because you only need to buy one of them, you know, you're you're making a bit of an investment into your deck instead of having to buy three of a $50 card, you buy one $50 card. And it's like you save up for it. It's still a card game like there there is going to be some amount of value associated with the cards. But yeah, for reprint strategies, um, especially for things that are way, way over and above um, the prime example and the one that they've already highlighted being Tunic. Tunic is like closing in on $400 Canadian. Um, like that's. Yeah. that's too much it's like and if you look at that card and you say that's how much that card is supposed to be you're wrong <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i i think that for a card that is as generically good as tunic is it should not be four hundred dollars that's like some people's half of rent for a card i don't know that just doesn't feel proper to me especially with it being reprinted the the most common version of it so far is still four hundred dollars like having them reprinted won't touch the value of the the really like high-end versions um like i have my um i have a playset of uh not first edition for either of them but rainbow foil enlightened strikes and command and conquers and art of wars right if they reprint any of those the values of mine are not actually going to change all that much <laughs> because yeah. they're the the sort of the not necessarily the pinnacle, but they're on the higher end of collectibles. So if they reprint Command and Conquer again, it's not going to change the value of my foil Command and Conquers. It might slightly, but it's not going to tank them. <laughs> they're always going to oh, be okay. some amount of value. So having an accessible version of these cards, I think, is good for just everybody. I don't know. Personally, that's that's how I feel. I kind of ran around the point a little bit but um yeah what yeah, if they what if, the, what if the reprints are like white border for instance you yeah know, the, the 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 reprint slot is white border tunic or white border whatever because it still it still makes the card enter the market but it doesn't touch the aesthetic 
the the aesthetic sell of the ones that the collectors already have, like you just said. Yeah, like so. and and I think that's absolutely fine. We even saw that again. The the examples for these are are very few, but they are very important. Like they reprinted Command and Conquer, and that card stayed the same price, even the reprinted version. Yeah, which is White Border is still as I'm as I'm recently aware the same price. I think and so. same with Tunic. Tunics are still the same price. Uh, you can get a white border tunic for like the same as like a krunic. Um, oh really? Which wow. yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they're they're still about the same value. So, mm. um, yeah. So that, I, don't so know. I guess I think so that I guess, it's so I guess kind of crazy. I guess that's probably the answer, then, isn't it? If they're, they're they're still reprinting cards, the value stays the same because it's just. I guess the I guess the card value in this game because the OP system is at the heart of it. It's about the price is what people want because of the meta that they're in yeah and that, and that drives like, the price um, or they're just everlasting cards like the tunics and the the generics right yeah so. for for talented and um yeah for like talented and um typed cards i think that those uh tend to fluctuate more with just the meta game in general um like right now obviously um just with how we're seeing the the cc format evolve um there are there's much more of a, a focus on trying to prevent lexi from being able to do a bunch of things which is why warmongers is so good because it prevents people from doing a bunch of like things all in one turn and sort of dipping between actions and non-attack actions and stuff yeah um but if the meta all of a sudden shakes out to you know bravo is the best deck I don't think that Warmongers is that expensive of a card anymore because it does just like doesn't do anything against Bravo. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Bravo doesn't care. He yeah. just swings for eleven. With, with yeah, dis- you just pitch your whole cards. hand and attack, and then you're like, "Hey, cool, your turn." <laughs> yeah. Or even like, ah, uh, no, it would still be pretty good against something like Reinar because Reinar likes using like um, barraging beatdown and stuff. That's right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's stuff like it reminds me of uh, back in the day um, during the the real sort of high points of the chain meta where uh, Snag from Crucible of War was like a $35 card because it was so good against Riftbind. And then as soon as chain left the meta, it became like a $1 bulk majestic. Um, yeah. Because it was just, it was just narrow. So I don't know. It's um, to sort of bring it back into uh, the, the main topic at hand. Um, I think that the the generic cards are less likely to be uh, especially when they're as powerful as again something like tunic something like command and conquer those ones are pretty safe to reprint because their value will stay probably largely the same unless they get like a really big influx of reprints um but things that are sort of more meta relevant um probably probably don't need as many reprints like i would be surprised if they decided to reprint warmongers diplomacy like yeah anytime in the next year um i i don't think that it's a card that necessarily requires a reprint i think that it is just good right now um i i was wrong about it initially though so i might be wrong about it now this might be the new art of war this might be the new command and conquer e-strike like it just might be the new generic card that's in that bracket but um yeah, that's something that we'll just have to see. And I'd like, kind of like you were saying previously with the um, the sort of flexibility of this slot and then being able to look at the meta at one time and be like, okay, we're going to reprint this card now. I think that that's going to be really important too. Yeah, I think so. Um, just yeah. like a, a more frequent, 
pressure release valve for for stuff like that. Yeah, because uh, that's what that's what Living Legend is, and we're going to another another um, point about Living Legend now from Dave at DGTCG. Uh, when you're speaking mm-hmm. about pressure valves, um, this is the system that allows LSS to rotate a hero if they're doing too well. This is the Living Legend system. So Dave says, what will the meta look like after Nationals season with so many LL points available? How many heroes will be gone from the CC game? Uh, which is an interesting point because Briar is right on the cusp, and so is Icelander at the moment. So, well, mm. she's not on; she's not right on the cusp, but she could potentially rotate out as well if she keeps doing as well as she has been. Um, I mean, at this point in time, I don't know what's happened with the calling and the US Nats because that's still going on, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Briar is still on the two points needed to rotate out. When she rotates out, obviously that's that's going to have it, uh, repercussions. Rosetta's not going to be available anymore, and all these tank mm. briar lists that you might have said about are just going to fade away. <laughs> yeah, uh, Channel Mountain Heroic is going to fade away. Um, <laughs> but um, and then Iceland is slowly behind as well on seven hundred and sixty-two points uh, mm-hmm. at the moment. So again, when Icelander rotates out, that means Icelander's gone and Oldim has gone. So there's no other ice apart from Lexi. So I think yeah. that that will speed everything up again. I think when Icelander goes, that's going to speed everything right up again because she's the only one really that's holding, that's really holding the aggro back. I think at the moment is the ice. Yeah, the the tools that she has right now are really allowing the the game to sort of be slightly slower. Uh, I know that the, it, it did kind of pick up when Oldham uh, Living Legend did. Like it, there was a noticeable change in just how people were building their decks and what they were preparing for. Um, so now, again, like Lexi is the, the top dog in terms of just percentages, but like Icelander is still the runner up. Like there is still a decent amount of Icelander running around uh, and people do have to be prepared for that. I know that people are also, in general, playing less Arcane Barrier um, because, yeah. you know, it really is just Icelander and Briar that are that are sort of at this top level uh, that use Arcane Damage. Um, so if there's just basically no one to worry about for Arcane Damage, then sideboards are going to get a huge change up. There's going to be just like nobody needs Null Rune anymore, which would then in yeah. some ways, uh, wrap back around, and then maybe it allows somebody who uses arcane damage um, to to come back into it. Like, maybe Viscerai all of a sudden just gets a resurgence because people aren't ready for him anymore. Yeah. And that's the great um, thing about how these things work, isn't it? It's just uh, always a revolving situation of who goes in, who goes out, based on the Living Legend system. So, um yeah, I mean, just to just to go on Dave's question there, I'm not entirely sure what it's going to look like. Briar is, for the longest time, seeming to be right on the cusp, but nobody can just get it, right? Yeah, <laughs> nobody's just not able it. to get past the finish line there. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I think it'll be interesting because they did also revise the amount of points that uh, events give out. Um, I don't recall what they were previously, but I think it was. Um, I think it was actually a decent amount less for like the higher level events. Um, Cause yeah, now up at the top for uh, pro tours and world championships, um, there's a total of 200 points that are given out for those events. Um, callings right. in us Nats uh, are a hundred each. 
Um, so it might kick into like for at least the overperforming decks, it might kick them into gear. Like we might actually see Lexi all of a sudden if she tops a bunch of events, might just see her all of a sudden surge up to to number one. Um, yeah, that wouldn't surprise because, me if that happened. Yeah, because even if she wins, if she wins this one, um, then she'll go from four hundred and twelve to five hundred and twelve. Um, which is already a huge jump. Uh, and then, yeah, it doesn't take much more than that, especially when there are, you know, there's more uh, national championships happening um, with there being just more stores and more uh, opportunities for people to play stuff, even with stuff like um, PTIs and uh, Road to Nats and stuff like that. Um, like, there's just a lot more of these things happening. So it, we might see... Um, another sort of uh kicking into high gear like if icelander um ends up living legending and the format speeds up then there might just be an opportunity for all these aggressive decks that were kind of being held down to also speed up in terms of uh, yeah. point accrual <laughs> brilliant it'd be very interesting um so yeah i think right now the only thing that we really have to worry about is uh briar getting kicked out of the spotlight um Icelander, I think, will likely not be far behind after that. And then it's kind of anyone's guess. Um, after Icelander, the next highest is Dash, which now yeah. that I say it with bright lights right around the corner, she might be getting just an absolute influx <laughs> of new power cards. Oh, God, yeah. Um, yeah. So she might not be too far behind either. So I but we'll just have to see. Um, but then but then if you yeah so if you look at the living legend board lexi's gonna go up this this season for sure so she's on 412 mm -hmm. she's gonna hit 500 600 probably by the end of this i don't think there's really a deck that counters her percentages right now she's just too efficient mm -hmm. just too good um so she's gonna be up at like 600 odd um icelander could maybe get another 100 or so uh, perhaps so she could be 860 odd um so they're still going to be they're still going to be loitering around when dash enters the fray with all of her new cards and teclo vossen appears and all this we don't know whether there's another hero in the set yet do we um hmm. not I think yet do they say we three no i think there are three we know teclo vossen already we know that there's a dash hero and then we know that there's a third hero but they haven't even announced no. the name yet so yeah um but dash the original dash that is dash inventor extraordinaire um is on five uh, 600 points basically five nine six mm -hmm. um she's uh one of those heroes that wins a lot of um i think she's won a couple of southeast asia callings like singapore mm -hmm. maybe a few times or something something around that area uh but um but yeah it's gonna be interesting to see whether the new bright lights cards will work with that hero who is on 600 points because there's obviously going to be a new dash isn't there um yeah you know, it's going to be interesting to see who who runs what and why with these new cards yeah my uh <laughs> my thing that i'm keeping an eye out for right now especially because they're going to be just printing an entire set of mechanologist stuff and introducing three additional heroes is if any of them can um challenge the world record that um that starvo currently has of fastest ll <laughs> fastest ll hero yeah i'm absolutely positive that the design team uh shout out brian gottlieb uh, yeah. i'm absolutely positive that they are keeping that in mind they're like we don't want this to happen again <laughs> but yeah. you know things do happen especially when you're 
creating such a huge set for one particular hero. So it'll be interesting to see if unintentionally, maybe Dash IO is just stronger than regular Dash and <laughs> just allows her to to absolutely wipe the floor with everybody for like three months and then she gets banned. <laughs> <laughs> it is a funny thing, right? Because if you look at the newer heroes in the roster of this Living Legend table, they're towards the bottom. Vincent, mm-hmm. Prism, Riptide, Arachne, Azuri, all of the new ones that have come into the fray CC-wise are all at the bottom of the list. Who's at the top of the list? We've got uh, all, uh, Monarch Heroes, old Monarch mm-hmm. Heroes, and Aria Heroes at the top. Yep. Um, so, uh, and those were those were the sets that were back to back, right? Uh, Monarch and Aria. Um, yep. So I think that I think just that period of time that Flesh and Blood was going through was just OP as hell. <laughs> it was it was quite the di- the time for card design. Um, it's yeah. the exact time that I got into the game, uh, and it's just it just so happens that Tales of Aria is like maybe the strongest set that they've released thus far. Um, at least just in terms of like percentage of competitively viable cards, Tales of Aria is just insane. <laughs> it really is, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I've, I'm not sure if there's going to be any LLs this season before mm-hmm. Bright Lights, but uh, we'll be we'll be uh, proven wrong happily. Um, Briar is um, so close. Come on, <laughs> Briar is so close. <laughs> Just get her there. Just get her there, please. Somebody, <laughs> preferably the tank version, because that'll be funny. Um, um, but uh, yeah, we've actually had uh, just going down the list here of the uh, mm-hmm. the stuff that we've had. We've had a, an inbox into the Living Legends podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, this is from uh, Gabby W uh, saying, "Hey, LLs podcast. I am Mustache Wu on the Discord. Okay, um, so." Uh, uh, he's on Discord. Uh, a main ninja and ranger player. Uh, awesome. Uh, I wanted to try Mechanologist for a long time, but the card pool was limited. Um, so uh, I wasn't fond of Dash and Data Doll. Fair enough. Hmm. Uh, I'm hoping that Bright Lights uh, might give you a second chance. I love the whole mech uh, aesthetic, but mostly I like if I like the hero and their play style. There's, there's going to be lots of play styles for this, for Mechanologist as well, right? With this new set. Yeah, I think it's. I think they've basically all but confirmed that there are going to be three maybe new types of playstyles for um for mechanologist obviously items are going to be sticking around and we know about the iron man uh sort of Absolutely. super suit playstyle but um yeah. yeah it's going to be a lot of, there's I, going to be a lot of a uh, lot of reasons to get into mech and that's why we went on we went on, went on a little bit of a uh, the hero problem last episode where, where obviously when Kel was here uh, and obviously he'll be back next week to, uh, on the podcast again of course um, but yeah that was one of the things that we spoke about was the fact that this is going to be there's going to be a load of playstyles for this mechanologist or these mechanologists because it's all mechanologist set so there's going to be loads of different ways mm-hmm. to play maybe that mirrors something that you've been playing before you're, you say that you're a ninja and ranger player there gabby so there might be a place a play style for you in mech and especially if you like the aesthetic you know i do as well i love steampunk and all that all that stuff um mm-hmm. so uh well it's main it's going to be like arc reactors and gundam wing style stuff now so even more even more yeah. so um but um he, gabby goes on to say uh this this is mustache woo i think we've uh, interacted with him before um mm-hmm. so uh I so yeah so. Uh, so uh, they go on to say that they want to see the hero that appears in Mysteria 
Um, the uh, the Ranger Hero, sorry, that appears in Mysteria. Look up Ira Hero. Okay, we'll have a look mm-hmm. at that. Uh, Savage Lands Women from Blessing of Focus. You know, there's a Ranger on Blessing of Focus. The um, the mm-hmm. card that I've never used. I I'll say. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the the Native American from Skybound, uh, Skybound shot on Wayfinder Crest. Yeah, Wayfinder Crest. Um, yeah, that's quality art. Love that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I would love to see more of those heroes that are, it's the same with like things like, um, shock charmers, loads of people love that mm-hmm. art and want to see who that hero is and who that character is and stuff. But, um, that's another great thing about this game, isn't it? The art is fantastic and you want to see some of the characters that aren't necessarily characters as well. Yeah. Cause they, they have a lot of sort of a supporting cast of, uh, of, characters that are in the arts for all these cards and you really want to see them like even for example um the sort of brute shaman that they've been sort of alluding to in a lot of the cards like spoiled skull um and uh even things like uh there's another headpiece that i always forget the name of from crucible of war for brute um oh skull uh, skull horn yeah and then uh even like card art like reincarnate um, like there's some magical sort of thing happening in the Savage Lands that we've been sort of vaguely aware of for a while, but I'd love to see them explore that. And yeah, it's the same for for Rangers as well. Um, they keep printing all these really beautiful arts that have all these different types of Rangers. And I just looked up um, the Ira hero card. I didn't realize that there were two characters sort of behind Ira to her left and right. And one of them has a bow and, and a quiver. Oh, um, right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's it's something that I I really hope is something that they, they play into like soon. And it feels like that is maybe something that they're trying to do with uh, Bright Lights, even just printing a bunch of different options for this one specific class. So we might be able to see like um, I know that they said that this really wouldn't happen outside of the Emperor, but in some mechanically cohesive way like a brute ranger or like a ninja ranger like something Mm. like that like i think that would be really cool um if they were able to do something like that and give these um these beautiful art pieces sort of a more mechanically um cohesive and unique way to shine (laughs) instead of just being relegated to the art of it I can't. I can't wait for the Savage Land set, and you know all the brute mains yeah. out there are going to like, oh yeah, we're going to get all these, all these massive six attacks, and suddenly it's just like a necromancy sort of ogre <laughs> in a dress sort of situation. Um, yeah, it's all non-attack actions, and they all, was... they all have a six on them, but it's the cost. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> six cost non-attack action. Um, oh god, Tommy Fresh is going to murder me in my sleep. <laughs> Shout out to Tommy Fresh, actually. Um, when he yeah. when when he saw that we were doing an As and Bill episode, he just says, "I love you both," as as his yeah. uh, as his sort of uh, contribution to that. <laughs> yeah, big big fan of Tommy Fresh on this side too. Uh, thank you, brother. Looking forward to our Bright Light set review. If you're listening, oh god, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Over on Fresh and Buds, um, mm-hmm. but. Um, Next, uh, next uh, comment comes from uh, Full Metal Dragon, which I believe was was a uh, was a comment on the last Living Legends podcast on YouTube. So again, if you engage with that content on YouTube, you write comments on there. They probably will appear on here at some degree of this this new sort mm-hmm. of co- comment stories questions section that we've got at the end. So this is an interesting one. 
Uh, as someone who has yet to really delve into fab, I was wondering if you could explain in one of your videos or podcasts how the entire flesh and blood pro scene works. I keep hearing about skirmish seasons, but how do they fit within the overall pro scene with all the other nifty titles and events like Battlegrounds uh, and that other one I can't remember the name of. Uh, there is a lot going on in fab. Uh, uh, would but a newbie guide on how this all actually comes together would be good as it is all very confusing um so uh do you have some good knowledge over the uh the fab uh scene with regards to I, that? I sort of do um something that i would recommend as well uh because i'm basically just going to be referencing this um they have uh, actually a really nice infographic on the official website uh it's under fabtcg.com slash organized play um oh, and it's yes. the organized play pathway um which it is kind of confusing especially because there are all these different names for these events um but yeah it's kind of set up um like a weird looking pyramid um there's yep. tier one events all the way up to tier four events and tier four is the highest level of of competition um tier one events basically just any on demand or um there's another thing called play anywhere events as well as your weekly armories um they allow you to accrue experience um and you know just wins in general uh which plays towards your overall experience amount that gets put on your gem profile as well as uh your 90 day xp amount mm -hmm. which i believe plays into when higher level events show show up specifically like um like uh, pro tours and uh, stuff like that you can actually get invites for having a high enough 90 day xp um amount um that's so it where just the term, kind of incentivizes you to keep playing it yeah that's where the term sort of fab grinder comes in so if you if you ever yeah. if you've ever heard that full metal dragon fab grinders uh i don't want to stereotype these but this is the term that it means <laughs> right uh fab grinders yeah. will go to their armories every week and grind for xp and xp then equates to the pro tour invite or the nationals invite if you're seen yeah. to be playing all the time accruing xp you are going to get invites to these things because lss recognize that you're playing the game and they want to reward those people that are playing it even at an armory level so all of your all of your wins at armories give you xp which then could potentially get you into one of the uh pro tour events which are obviously mm -hmm. a lot more competitive yeah um, the um there is sort of one tier one event that kind of bridges the gap between it and the next stage um which are skirmishes which are uh sort of short um sort of seasons where uh stores will have their skirmish which is usually blitz um and uh the prizes for that one as far as i know there are um specific uh like skirmish uh mats that are given out as well as um this past season there was the cold foil azalea was sort of the, the top tier prize for it yeah um i don't believe you get anything sort of further than that but it is still a way for you to kind of be competitive without kind of hitting up to the next tier the next tier uh has still stuff that would likely be local to you um there's the road to nationals pro quest and battle hardened um, all of these really allow you to be competitive to try to get an invitation to uh, a tier three or tier four event. Um, 
And they're normally open entry as well, aren't they? You yeah. can normally you can yes. normally just open you can normally just go to one of these pro quests, battle hardens, and if you do well enough, you'll get the invite just by uh, just by paying to get in, essentially. Um, so there yeah. is a, there is a way to do that as well. So if you want to just learn the game in your own time and then just hit the events where you just pay to get in, and if you win or if you get so far get the invite, you can also do that. You don't have to grind, but some people will do that for to get in on it on XP for like their nationals events or whatever yeah so these are still like competitive but they are also accessible um yeah. they're still like you can reasonably even if you're not a fully enfranchised player but you do have an idea of what's going on you can still just go into one of these um if you end up getting depending on what your turnout is top four or top eight i think even if it's big enough top 16 mm -hmm. um it might not be top 16 it might just be top eight but you can get invites to higher level events uh, then uh, the calling is the tier three event that is open. Uh, it happens at most of the larger um, sort of flesh and blood events. Um, so anybody can sort of uh, enter into these ones, but they are very competitive. Yeah. Um, you can get uh, col like gold foil legendaries. Uh, you can also get pro tour invites from the calling. Um, then there's also Nats or national championship which is invite only um, that you get from Road to Nationals or 90 Day XP, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then sort of to top it all off, uh, there's the tier four, which are the biggest ones. There's Worlds, which happens once a year. It is invite only. It is like the cream of the crop, best of the best. Like these are the people who are duking it out for very big prizes. These are the ones there are uh, gold foil specifically world championship branded hero cards that you get as the prize for this yeah. and i think so far there's been like three given out um they are like so unbelievably cool but also so hard to get gosh <laughs> imagine being able to get a gold foil hero of your choice that says world champion on it that would be just yeah like mental. and it's like written in stone that it was given out to you like on the yeah. um, on the promo page for Flesh and Bloods um, for the collector's corner, it says like there has been one given out. There yeah. has been like of of all the heroes, or like there have not been any given out yet. So I think that's really cool as well. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, the official pro tour um, is I believe also invite only. Um, both of those it would is. be invite only, and also once a year. Or sorry, pro tours are multiple times a year. Worlds is once a year. Um, yeah. And uh, those happen on sort of a continent scale. Um, so they happen, you know, there's there'll be multiple across different continents. Worlds is just there is one this year. It's in Barcelona mm -hmm. um, and we will be there. Yeah, we will be there. Absolutely. Intend to be in Barcelona at the same time. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, so that's like a really broad overview of what the sort of organized play program is for Flesh and Blood. Um, I hope that made sense. I'm yeah, not definitely. that much of a, uh, I'm not really that far into it as a competitive player. Um, I, I know of it just very vaguely, <laughs> but yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that kind of ties in together. I think the four tier system that they have makes it a little bit easier to sort of grasp. They kind of all like build up as the, as the chain goes on, but yeah exactly and it's it's again that's, that's that whole grassroots journey you know supporting the local mm -hmm. game store and all of this it, it allows you really to just build up from the ground you know you start on the ground floor you know you do what you're comfortable with and then you just go up the ladder essentially um or or just you just 
just pay to go into a calling event and then if you do really well you feel really good and all this it's, it's a nice it's a nice journey i i, I partaked mm. in my own in my first calling uh, at birmingham and i started off really really well and you probably would have heard the story if you've listened to the podcast but um uh, that got that got me the itch to want to play more competitively um albeit Absolutely. i know i'm not that not that good but hey ho um <laughs> But yeah, OP pathway is the is the is the link as you just as you just said there. Uh, that's the best way to find it if you want to have a look and go through it all. Um, but um, but yeah, so a couple more comments here before we move on to tweet of the week and then close it off. Um, so the first mm-hmm. first one comes from uh, these. I think more comments on last week's video, which which discussed the hero problem in Flesh and Blood, or that's what Kel decided to call it. So this is from uh, the 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 Navis Broad. Brin or something. I can't read the rest of it. Nine, the, nine, seven, five, seven. the Navish Road Bin R Gravel ninety seven fifty seven. I believe something <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so this is a this is a this is a comment in response to uh, the hero problem, and uh, this is a bit of ne- a bit of not negative but concerned content. Mm-hmm. Um, with regards to it, and I think it's completely valid. Uh, so they say, as much as I hate to say it, I think there will be a downturn with Flesh and Blood and Bright Lights. We have one mech player in the city, and there's chatter about a lack of casual play, which is never good. Either way, I'll keep stocking it in my store, but Mexico really needs LSS official support. Oh, is this what you were getting at earlier? Mexico? Yeah, this is the uh... one that I sort of saw previously, um, and I think really does tie into that as well. Like there are still a contingent of people that want to play this game that might not have the right amount of support. Um, like like this one is uh, like this person is saying here. Yeah. Um, obviously, they are potentially an LGS owner. Um, sort of what I'm getting from that because they say uh, Mexico really needs LSS official support so I can at least have armory events for my customers. Um, yes. And yeah, I think that that's. I don't know what the process to become a gem certified store is. Um, but if that's something that you can like do, like sign up for, um, again, I'm not an LGS owner, so I could be totally out to lunch on how that process works. Uh, I definitely think it would be worthwhile. I think that the concern of having one mech player in the city with the prospect of a full mech set on the horizon is definitely yes. like concerning. But, you know, at, at least from a trying to keep it as positive as possible maybe this one set will introduce enough variation into mechanologist as a class that maybe some other people locally start to become interested um like it is yeah. still very unfortunate to have to kind of stare that down and grasp at what the positives could be so yeah it, it uh, if anybody from lss is or mexico is listening give them a gem store <laughs> yeah definitely uh, i think the gem store because i actually reached out to fab organized play uh, a couple of weeks ago because there's obviously this new store in my in my town um mm-hmm. which could be interested in stocking it because um i uh, just basically sold them the whole idea of flesh and blood and it could attract loads of customers and they're up for it they want to get more customers in of course um and the process i, I believe is just filling out a form and just making sure your store uh, meets certain prerequisites i don't think they have to select you you have to apply for it i don't think i don't think they have to select you so if you're listening to this um i'm not going to try and pronounce the uh the the, the 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 name again but i think it's pretty much just uh as long as your store meets these prerequisites you can sign up to be a gem store and get that armory kit support yeah. and all this um so uh but yeah the the, the fact of your customer base 
the, that is that is the hero problem. If they don't like mech for whatever reason, they don't like the aesthetic or whatever. That is a that is an issue that you're going to have. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Um, but luckily with this set with bright lights, at least you can play mech in lots of different ways, and you can still have a sealed or limited experience out of that box as well. Um, mm -hmm. Which which again, like we said the last time is a positive way of potentially converting non-mech players into a mech player because there's different ways to do it and you're playing sealed because because that's that's what it allows you to do basically yeah um so yeah um so uh, moving on to the next one i believe this is mara from blackwing studio this is blackwing dragon it's gotta be surely <laughs> this has to be mara blackwing <laughs> dragon let's be honest and uh, and the icon you can't see this uh visual viewers the icon is an m so it's gotta be mara it's gotta be um but she agrees <laughs> with what i was saying she says honestly I think choice restricting is a great idea that's at least worth trying out on LSS's part. So I believe what she is referring to is my idea to ban things in certain heroes. Uh, that was one of the main discussion points last week on the Heroes Problem episode. Um, mm -hmm. It allows for game balancing without overcorrection, which can often hinder the playing experience for a large group than what it was intended. And the argument that it can get complicated later on, which is what Kel was saying, is not that big of an issue, considering people seem to be able to grasp the fiddly restricted lists in Yu-Gi-Oh! even as a new player. Um, so again, that's something what I said as well, is that the, and again, what we were saying earlier about the people that are playing this game are intelligent. They can they know for themselves what they can or cannot play, and the people that are playing at a ridiculously competitive level will do that research anyway, regardless. So I think banning mm -hmm. things in certain heroes is a good idea, and I'm I'm glad that someone of that ilk, who was the, the semi final, not semi finalist, the runner up in the prab, uh, the the prab. I'm losing my words. So I'm so excited that she agrees with me. Uh, <laughs> the fab pro tour Baltimore uh, has the same sort of thoughts on that. So. Um, yeah, I know. I know. You, I know you were sort of. I know you could see both sides, Bill, on the on the last yeah, episode. Yeah, I'm. I'm still like, um, like, optimistically hesitant. If I could describe it even as that, it seems like a, <laughs> a weird way to do it. But yeah, I I do like the idea of it. Like, I do like the the prospect of you know specific, especially because situations like this is an extreme example. But yeah. If Rosetta Thorn was still strong, but not as much of a of a backbreaker as it currently is, and it was like, you know, the best option for a bunch of other Runeblades, and then all of a sudden Briar gets banned and now Runeblade uh, doesn't have Rosetta Thorn at all anymore. Yeah. Like, why are they paying for the sins of one specific hero? Um, like, yeah. cards have different functions within different decks. Like, even you know death dealer can be played in all of the rangers currently but it might only be this is another sort of just general example but like what if the snapshot death dealer combo deck really took off in lexi mm -hmm. and it made that deck way too good if she's winning because of death dealer there's no downside for her to play it because there's no chance that it'll get banned before azalea then hits living legend and it gets banned from that. Like, I don't know the, it's a weird implementation, at least in that aspect for the, um, the, what are they called? Signature weapons. I think that I've always been a little bit hesitant about. 
And yeah. I think that does extend out to sort of at least the example extends out to other decks as well. Yeah. Like we were kind of mentioning like uh, Bullseye Bracers gets completely banned because it's overperforming in Lexi. It's like, OK, well, now Azalea was using it totally fine. Like it's something that she's able to to use, but not to an, a, like an absurd degree or anything. That's right. Um, because the play patterns like aren't you, the same. The play patterns, in the play patterns like, aren't the same at all. Like yeah. it's it is the same card in both decks, but they serve different purposes. They function differently. The ce so, the ceiling on Bullseye Braces is lower in Azalea because she doesn't have access to Voltaire, which is the elemental bow, which is the thing that breaks exactly. it. And three of a kind. You know, we went on that statement earlier about how Azalea can use three of a kind. She cannot use three of a kind in the same way Lexi can because of the fact she no. can't load the bow twice without try shot all this garbage and again yeah it's you know it's just one of those things that it, i do think that it is worth trying i agree with that very much i think that like like they did with this past skirmish season of trying yeah me, trying out blitz uh with sideboards like it was just something that they decided to try and just see if it worked and they said that it was going to be like a temporary thing just as like a, a proof of concept so i think that the fact that they've proven that they can do this or that they have the ability to um, to accept it as a possibility for them to be like, OK, well, for this skirmish season, we're going to try it out that this is only banned in this deck. And if it works and if it like ends up being a, a positive change, then maybe it's something they could just implement. Um, yeah, but so can yeah, you, I don't know. that's what I mean. Can you really see for both asking you and the audience, if Bullseye Braces was unbanned in Azalea, would she come storming out of the gate? I don't think so. It just allows us to do the things we used to do without having yeah. to run common equipment slots. Um, yeah, without I mean, having to run, um, what's that one, Touch? The Virulent Touch? Or no, that's the that's the attack. Toxic tips and toxic uh, tips. Braces of belief and all this. And I've had yeah. some I've had some stories where braces braces of belief has been good uh, for for getting extra damage through on a dominate. But the yeah. the versatility of of the braces were just is is missed all round. And the fact that it's AB as well is just a bit of a kicker. But anyway, uh, there is we, there is also just one final thing. Uh, yeah. I think that it would be really good if uh, Shiana had access to stubby hammerers again. Because that deck was <laughs> extremely fun and not oppressive, um, and it's just a, a cool way to play the deck. And I I've never know. got the chance. Personally, I would love to play that deck again. <laughs> yeah, but um, one one last thing on that conversation thread as well is uh, we have seen mm -hmm. this. We have this seen this being done recently with Vincent, and you said that you said this specialized weapons, specialized equipment, Azalea's mm -hmm. Crow's Nest, Riptide's Quiver. You know, there are certain ways you can, in design space, print something that's good, but only for that hero, so somebody else can't abuse it. That's that's the way you can do it. And then if that thing is too good, then you can ban it in that hero and that hero only. You don't affect anybody mm -hmm. else. Specialization equipment, I think, is a, is a design space that needs to be explored more, I think. Um, or on the reverse of that, as Mara and obviously my point, etc., is banning in certain heroes because that hero can abuse that thing and someone else can't because of their card pool or their weapon or whatever. Um, so, so yeah, a very it's a very good 
conversation point, and obviously the whole topic last week on Living Legends podcast did 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 uh, did do well with regards to engagement, and people were were very very interested in the topic, so that's good. Um, and then last but not least is another Living Legends podcast at gmail.com uh, email, which came from Larry H. So thanks Larry H for emailing us. Again, the email address is the Living Legends podcast at gmail.com. These are th- for more longer takes, longer stories, and longer comments and thoughts and concerns and all mm-hmm. that. Um, so, um, so Larry says, um, since Kel is gone, uh, <laughs> and, and he, he dumps us on Bolton quite a lot, which is fair enough. You know, Bolton does yeah. does does get dumpsters on a, a fair bit because it's just a meme at this point, unfortunately. Um, but um, what do you think uh, could be done in the future for lower tier heroes for them to be more competitive picks and not necessarily lose just for picking them? Yeah, that is an interesting thing straight off the bat. If you choose a certain hero, sometimes you just think, "If I, why am I choosing this hero? It's just going to lose. Bolton is one of yeah. those things you get that feeling about still, even after the in you know quote-unquote support that they've got recently. Um, so yeah, uh, I feel like we don't see dedicated support for most of uh, most of them again for a while, and having Bolton uh, not get a whole lot better after DTD has kind of burnt me out on Fab um, as well. Uh, so pushing, I'm just trying to read this because it's very very small in my document. Uh, yeah, you took pushing, a small screenshot of it. <laughs> it is yeah, pushing so much effort into favorite here uh, into my favorite hero to have no moment in the sun even after a somewhat dedicated set hurts my motivation. Do you think Flesh and Blood needs to have lower tier heroes and decks in general? Uh, and I put a little I put a little sort of asterisk on this as well, although that is incredibly bad handwriting because I was trying to <laughs> I was trying to dr- I was trying to write my note with a mouse on the yeah, screen. And it never goes well. <laughs> it never goes well. It's very hard. But <laughs> Going back to the Living Legends thing, what what if there was a way to exclude heroes that had a certain amount of points? So the so so the so the heroes that were obviously doing well, anyone over five hundred points can't play. You can't use this hero in this format or whatever. A wooden spoon division per se that that allows people to play the the worst heroes, but in a format where the other heroes can't just absolutely destroy you um mm-hmm. but uh just in general do you think flesh and blood needs to have answers um have lower tier heroes and decks in general so with just the way that flesh and blood is set up um like needs to have as as much as it feels bad to agree with that i think it does just from a game design standpoint like not all decks can be the best no. um and there there will always be that sort of ebb and flow of decks being good and then you know either through not getting enough support or people figuring out the meta you know their sort of uh, overall sort of place in the the so-called tier list can can fluctuate so i do think that it is kind of an inevitability for there to be lower tier heroes and decks um in flesh and blood i do kind of like the idea of um like you say, having some sort of a format that um, restricts things a little bit further than what they are. Um, It would be sort of in my mind, like the difference between um, in Magic the Gathering terms again, like standard versus modern versus legacy versus vintage. Like Mm -hmm. they're all the same game, but you're sort of restricting 
what the format looks like um based on card pool based on for them it would be um like how recently things got printed but i could see for this having some sort of guidepost of like you say like anything less than 500 living legend points um having that sort of here i think that would be really cool um especially if you take into account like restrictions breed creativity um like if we if we look again at the uh list of living legend heroes for the ones that have less than 500 points um viscerai is the highest on that list i think that lexi is is short-lived for this uh this life yeah. but yeah like viscerai phi katsu bravo dorinthia um like you wouldn't have your dashes you wouldn't have icelander you wouldn't have again lexi mm-hmm. and that might just create a really cool sort of uh, a really cool space for other decks to to sort of live in um yeah, exactly. it does again kind of suck that the the bolton support that was provided didn't quite put them in the same sort of realm as the the azalea support did to her um yeah although you know it, it made her feel like a more cohesive deck but if we're just looking at stats again like she hasn't started performing um all that much better at least in terms of again just living legend points alone yeah so it's possible that you could argue that they're still kind of in the same boat but it does still it doesn't feel great to have a deck that kind of like they had mentioned like you you pick a hero at the start you're just like i'm gonna pick this hero and then finding out later that you picked wrong um like that's such a feel bad especially once you've put the effort in you've looked into the decks you've bought the pieces that you wanted like um uh soulbound resolve and brave forge bracers and um like all these things like it it would feel very not great so i do agree that there should be something i don't know what it would look like but i do tentatively like the idea of sort of like a modern or like a however you want to call it um just like a lower living legend point format uh i think that would be interesting to see what that meta would look like yeah and it's fairly um it's it's fairly it's one of those things you can track as well because living legend points Mm -hmm. you know update quite quite often um so if you are going to run one of these events you just look at the thing the living legend point for the day and then that's the only heroes you can run everybody below 400 you know if you look mm-hmm. at, if you look at everybody below 400 you've got Phi, katsu bravo dorinthia etc so you still have aspects of aggro you still have access uh, uh sort of um aspects of control in there bravo can go either big stompy or just de-react heavy etc mm-hmm. uh you still got the random ones in there like reinar which can just intimidate you and all this and you still got kano in there of arcane damage yeah um you know you, you still got all these heroes that you could potentially play but you just don't have the ridiculousness mm-hmm. of icelander sort of operating on your turn and giving you tax and stuff and then lexi just outputting so much more damage that you just don't have any purchase in the game even in the game of cc you just can't race it um yeah so it, you know it, as these lower tier heroes anyway you can't you can't really do much bravo is an exception because obviously he's had a lot of a lot of resurgence recently uh, so it'd be interesting to see how he goes up but um but yeah, it could be interesting to see if there would be something like that in the future because as you say, Bolton is just one of those heroes that at the moment just feels like you lose as soon as you start with it. Um, yeah. It's, um, uh, yeah, it would kind of be 
the, this sort of potential format would be kind of like the inverse of the Living Legends format. Um, like obviously, yeah. the Living Legends format is just for heroes that are that good, and this would yeah. kind of be the opposite of that. Like heroes that aren't quite on that same level, and I think that that's like a fair thing to keep in mind as well. Um, yeah. Like you know, Riptide has two points, and I know who gave him the two points, and he's somebody who is. <laughs> completely fully obsessed with riptide shout out to mink um fantastic but yeah outside of that like riptide really hasn't had a shot to do much um and i don't know maybe they're it, it, we shouldn't especially in a in a game where people can put so much of their interest in the game on a specific hero there should still be a way for them to interact with the game outside of just having to choose another hero because that feels yeah. very bad. <laughs> yeah, especially on a competitive... Well, that's the thing as well, isn't it? If you're playing this game for only the hero aspect and you're going to these tournaments where people are not doing that, they're playing the best deck, that's when you have that polarity between the two people. Mm -hmm. So you do need to have... And luckily, we are going to have social products coming out. We are going to have PVE coming out, which will allow you to play your hero of your of choice against something. Um, but I don't know whether that's ever going to be in a 1v1 competitive way because there's always going to be a best deck that people are just playing mm -hmm. regardless of the character that's representing that hero, basically. Um but yeah, it'd be interesting to see if something like that ever evolves. So that's a good, a good, uh, a good topic there, Larry. So thanks for your, thanks for your, um, your thoughts on that. Um, but yeah. yeah, any, um, anyone that wants to get involved with Living Legends uh, podcast, it's Living Legends Podcast at gmail dot com. So send us an email, or just continue just engaging with our content, whether that's on Twitter, uh, YouTube, or through the through the email address. We are going to be reading out random stuff every week now just to fill it out when there's not much to fill out. But saying that, me and Bill have been chatting for one hour and 43 minutes. <laughs> Holy hell. We were able to, to really fill this out even in Kel's absence. So there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so it's not just Kel that talks a lot. It's us as well. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, finishing, finishing this off with uh, Tweet of the Week. I thought I would put something in here which related to me this week because uh, Sunflower Samurai uh, are the uh, Spanish uh, team that includes Pablo Pintor um, doing this sort of tweet every week which shouts out different aspects of Spanish culture and cuisine and stuff that you can do in Barcelona and Spain in general because that's where everyone's going that's where everyone's converging this uh, this year upon worlds and they're saying uh, the nightlife in Sants, I don't know where that is, but hopefully somewhere in Barcelona or the region of Barcelona, perhaps, is also without the need to take public transportation. Some examples of local uh, favourites are the Birast Birastium for beers or the Undead Dark Club for metalheads like Go Again Gaming as. <laughs> um <laughs> All in all, not the most tour uh, touristic, but a nice home base to have. Um, so, yeah, basically shouting out me on Twitter because they know that I love metal music and giving me places to potentially go, which is nice. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, so I, I just looked it up as well. Sants is apparently a neighborhood in the southern part of Barcelona. Ah, there we go. So there then. you go. <laughs> fantastic so you may see me there uh with my gopro out just trying to capture every single thing that happens um so uh so yeah uh, there's gonna be there's gonna be drinks there's gonna be a few nights where we go out and do some stuff um not only me but obviously us both living legends podcast and and, and friends people that meet 
there as well. Uh, so it's going to be a great it's going to be a great time. Uh, but thanks for shouting me out and uh, and sort of recognizing my love of metal music. And there was a little video I put up earlier actually of me bouncing on stage and doing some Devil Wears Prada sort of asking Alexandria style uh, movements back in the day. Classic. <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah. Um, any more closing thoughts, Bill, or shall we uh, should we wrap it up for this week? Yeah, I think we're good. This has uh, been a very a very full discussion. Uh, so yeah, yeah, thanks again to everybody who uh, submitted questions mm-hmm. uh, and decided to email us at uh, livinglegendspodcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, because um, yeah, it just gives us something good to chat about amongst ourselves. And uh, yeah. yeah. Always appreciate it. Absolutely, and thank you very much for the sponsor of this video. You would have seen uh, the uh, the clip at the start of the uh, the Banished Zone. So this is a local game store out of mm-hmm. uh, Wernersville, Pennsylvania, and uh, something that we can shout out for them as well is that they've got their uh, their online store actually ready to go now as well. Yes. Um, so uh, so that's good. So they do loads of different products on there all the card games you can think of. I was actually looking at their Final Fantasy cards the other day, um, but I don't, I'm, not sure if they can, I'm not sure if they can ship to me. We'll have to have that discussion uh, separately. <laughs> um, but um, if you use the, the, the code LIVING10LEGENDS, uh, you can get uh, some money off uh, your first order through them. I believe it works on the online store that is now available to use. Um, so definitely mm-hmm. go and check that out when you can. Uh, they're lovely. Uh, we had a call with them to begin with, and it was just uh, that the chap that we're speaking with walking around the shop and showing us the uh, the progress of it and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, very very good. Uh, not nice to have them supporting us. And uh, and yeah, if you're if you're a sponsor out there and you have a product that you think is well placed on the Living Legends podcast, and just send us an email at thelivinglegendspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, as long as it's not fucking Fiji water, the spam that keeps coming in the bloody email address. <laughs> Hello, it's someone and someone from Fiji water. I know it's a spam. Go away. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, uh, no, we've made it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, but yeah, don't be afraid to email us at livinglegendspodcast.gmail.com for any form of sponsorship on this show. Again, we had Teclo Crow do a little sponsored episode, and that was just a little mm. one-time thing. So if you want to do a one-time thing, try it out, see how it goes. Let us know, because that funds some good stuff in Barcelona. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Maybe a- Maybe a few nights of our a few nights accommodation will uh, will uh, be paid for. So yeah, help us out. You know it's going to be a good time. Um, but yeah, thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, so I've been Alice from Go Again Gaming. Uh, you can find me on Go Again Gaming on YouTube and Go Again Gaming AZ on uh, Twitter. As I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, I'm doing a daily series at the moment. So if you want to get a sort of glimpse into my life in general and how boring it is, go and check that out. Um, but uh, but yeah, and Bill, where can people find you? Uh, I am Bill from the Spike Feeders. You can find me on YouTube uh, at Spike Feeders Fab or the Spike Feeders. Uh, the main channel is not flesh and blood related. It is Magic the Gathering, but uh, I have been sort of featuring on there a little bit more frequently. It's yeah. been a great time. Um, but other than that, you can find me on social media sites at Bill TSF. Uh, I don't post very regularly on social media, but uh, if you want to message me or anything uh, of that nature uh, mm. that's where you can find me fantastic but yeah from both of us here at the living legends podcast this week we'll be joined uh, as always by kel again when he gets back from us Nats. i'm sure we'll hear all the stories from his time over there next time 
to do it all over again here on the Living Legends podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in. Cheers, folks.